clubs them. Yeah. I find it way easier than clapping. <laughs> anyway, I'm Will. Hi, everybody. I'm Adric. And this is On Twos. Welcome. The podcast where we watch cartoons and then talk about them. So we didn't do a um, our, our traditional style. We have a traditional style now, Will. Of yeah, of um rewriting We've been doing this for like half a year. It's kind of nuts. We have a lot of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, didn't didn't do our usual like rewriting a part of the the text this time because we want to sort of introduce what we're doing. Um, we've done theme months before, and um, for this one being the the start of February, we decided to try to highlight some black creators in the animation space. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know what I like. Even doing the doing the research for this month, it's just like, hey, there aren't a lot. Yeah, like, right? it, and it kind of sucks. Kind of sucks. Even God, there are so many shows that I that I would look up because I'm just like, oh, all right, well, there's tons of black characters in this, and it's like, oh, all right, well, it's just written by white people, <laughs> right? And that um, just kept happening. And uh, yeah, it's it's disappointing for a, an industry that is this old and an industry that as we've talked about many times on this show, um, both cribs a lot from black culture and um, like explicitly uh, was exploitative in its early days. Um, and is like based. Yeah. In, extremely <laughs> based in minstrel shows and like deep you ever racism. Seen the original Elmer Fudd. No. Okay. Um, Will it hurt it, me? It's... Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, so the original Elmer Fudd was like all the same mannerisms and everything, but it was a little black Sambo character. Oh man! Like, and yeah, it, it was just like, man, this gets like, if he's white, then it's just like, all right, this is kind of funny. But when they draw him like that, then it's just like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, and and that is that is the like most obvious example of this. But the you know um the systemic version of this is the fact that as you were saying even in shows where you look at it and you're like okay it starts to feel like there's some some representation here um uh, potentially some of the voice acting cast is uh of different non-white backgrounds you still end up with a very white writer's room and the perspectives that you're getting actually written into the shows are still extremely limited um mm -hmm. and you know when the the culture that you are um like writing about is not your own um I'm not saying that that can't ever be done and can't ever be done successfully obviously it is all the time but your perspective is always going to be limited and um yeah i guess that's that's one of the things that we were that i want to like get out of this month is like um spend some time intentionally trying to find writers who aren't um who are non-white voices and specifically in this case black voices and what they've written about and, and how it feels different from some of the other animation that we've watched and um yeah just like have some uh, appreciation and uh, call out some names yeah well and also there's there's an aspect of perspective to it because yeah. these days like nowadays it's any writer's room you're going to have black people you are going to have women in there you are going like yeah and that's that's intentional right. just because you want to have those perspectives when you're writing this stuff because otherwise you just wind up with extreme you know, blind spots yeah 
Yeah, yeah with like huge blind spots because you know you're missing out on the lived experiences of half 15 percent you know like like all these people yeah so it's just a, it's it just, just a mistake makes for yeah it yeah. just makes for better writing yeah and um one thing that that like will potentially be a caveat is that you know we don't understand even some of the shows that we're going to talk about this month we don't understand the circumstances of, through which these were made or like you know even uh let's say in the and the best circumstances a show um written by and you know um created by uh black people and people of color and then um is then it is still then going to be pushed through the like at least very likely um the very white studios yeah and so um <laughs> the, <what> I... <laughs> uh, yeah everyone that gets to look at the script before it actually go- goes and gets made yeah exactly and so one thing that i want to be cautious of is is to not say like and these are you know complete authorities on you know uh on the representations this is you know a step in the direction or like a facet and um extremely valuable i would say um but you know everything that is produced in america comes with an asterisk i think yeah well i mean just by virtue of it being intended for a mass media audience then it's gonna have the the edges sanded down yeah and i think that that um is maybe no more clear than in especially the first couple episodes of what we watched this week yeah so So this week we watched uh the proud family yeah we watched the first three episodes so this this one um uh came to mind immediately as something that i like actively watched in my childhood um because it oh really ran on the usual channels that i watched during the usual time frames and um yeah it was interesting going back to it so the first thing that i'll say is that like um i definitely feel the limitations of watching the first three episodes because i I feel like it really took until the third episode for it to even hit its stride as to like yeah so i watched some of the later episodes yeah and everything kind of gets better yeah aside for aside from one thing that i guess i'll just bring it up right now please disney plus's scans of these look to be from a vhs and everything looks awful because of it it occasionally like dips in and out of focus too like yes yeah like what's up with that it just goes out of focus and there are like whenever lines are kind of like narrow yeah like the line work is narrow then you get these scan lines like it's from a vhs and it's not it's not terrible but but it's it's pretty consistent yeah huh this um... so yeah i i have no idea what happened to their copies of these <laughs> fun fact this uh this is the apropos of nothing but um the first episode of the proud family debuted four days after 9-11 <laughs> the perfect time to uh yeah everyone yeah. yeah well i guess people kind of wanted an escape yeah i think so um yeah. the uh the Proud family centers on a mixed race family um, uh, with three kids, a um, a black father, and I don't know if they go into the ethnicity of the mother specifically, um, but it is you know called out as one of the first like uh, representations. Like I, I just went through and like read some of the um, reviews of the show, and oh sure, called out over and over again is just like having a 
black mixed race girl as the the main protagonist and showing things from her perspective um was was really valuable to a lot of people it seems and this Mm -hmm. is like you know the argument that's made time and time again for representation go ahead it's also the first uh disney channel original cartoon oh really i didn't realize that that. i mean from what i was finding yeah you're right because like um this came before kim possible this came before lilo and stitch um what are some of the other ones oh (laughs) american dragon you mean mean the lilo and stitch like (laughs) animated series that was a fun series i like that i watched a lot of this stuff that was kind of fun actually i don't know i yeah i think the old disney channel like those shows are a big blind spot for me yeah i watched a lot of these that's yeah i was just watching cartoon network instead yeah because their stuff looked more unique i guess when did Fairly Odd Parents drop? Was that right after this? It must have been. I don't know. Because that was around the same time period, too. And that's like, yeah, March 30th. So slightly before, actually. Oh, right. But that wasn't Disney. Duh. Yeah, that was Nickelodeon. That was Nickelodeon. Huh. That's Old interesting. Tara Strong, though. Uh, Tara, Tara Strong, Strong plays one of the babies in here. <laughs> the... Also, also, she's big on selling NFTs on Twitter now. Rip. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome how like just everything gets poisoned. Yeah, that'll do Always. it. Man. Ugh. So anyway, this first episode yeah, derailed uh, me completely. Yeah. <laughs> Pe- Pe- Penny's trying to get onto the uh, cheerleading squad, and new girl shows up. Yeah. Who is uh, her her friend's old friend from way back in the day? Yeah, that's so like they the, wind up. Yeah. The rough characterization that like sort of introduces it and yeah this is this is the part of it that feels like i don't know super awkward is that they're introducing a bunch of characters and i don't understand why they they decided to make i don't know this this as the first episode is like a little bit awkward i think because yeah because it does feel like like penny is looking to benefit from nepotism yeah yeah it's just like a weird characterizations and like we haven't had a chance to be introduced to all of the rest of the characters yet and now we're introduced to um a new one and that new one is supposed to be creating conflict in the group um but we don't know what the dynamics of the the group look like in the first place and so yeah it's it's just a little bit like funky i don't know just just my observation of the thing um and it, it's a little weird but in an episodic show like this then kind of introducing a rival like that in your first episode rather than you know having to go through a few episodes before you have our, oh, although they have like the gross sisters and shit like that yeah so that are also could, like kind of introduced but not really yeah it's yeah it, i guess it just feels like um like any pilot i guess where it's just like we're you know, smashing a ton of of stuff so that whoever is greenlighting this can get a a feel for you know each of the pieces as quickly as possible to understand what the yep. um what the scope of the show can be. And, and this wasn't even the the first pilot that they made. Really, um, that's what I was going to say. Is I wonder, I it felt like so Nickelodeon actually passed on this show, and really? there's so- somewhere. There's a six-minute pilot that was made for Nickelodeon, hmm. um, but we haven't. You can see like small pieces of of it in right, early promotional material, uh, but they never released it. That's interesting. Yeah, 
Uh, well, I mean, that's obviously going to be some kind of fuckery with, like, you have Nickelodeon has the rights to it, but, right. like, why would they want to <laughs> put it out? Because then they're just pumping up one of Disney's shows. What's the, um, what's the time frame for that? Did you find out? Uh, yeah, I, d- I didn't find anything on that. Oh, uh, was planned for a 1999 release. So two years earlier. That's interesting. Yeah. Granted, oh. this is all just IMDb trivia trivia so it it might just be gibberish yeah um uh anyway continuing on with the the episode um so yeah it's like a a a loose competition between the two of them but that is like you know basically only the framing for introducing uh la siniega yeah which yeah it's i like their kind of juxtaposition between this like rivalry there yeah and then uh oscar the father who sees their like their neighbors are moving in and they have an enormous tv and he's like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go get a bigger one yeah which um this this episode in particular felt i guess all all three of them did made it feel extremely like a time capsule of the aughts and like the culture of the aughts in a way that i didn't expect like um there was just something about seeing a wide but not flat screen tv tube tv yeah Yeah. that was like oh my god this is a vibe (laughs) and yeah there's there's a couple other things later but this is like um yeah extremely early aughts remember back when flat screen just meant that the glass was flat yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. totally um but there's like it was still a crt it was it still weighed a fucking ton (laughs) carry that into the forklift yeah um but it it, like these these episodes feel like the the thing that they're focusing on is um like the characterizations of the family it feels like it's supposed to um be i don't know almost written as like a comfortable unifier i guess way of of um introducing these multi-ethnic families and be like hey um white americans who are watching this this is going to be safe um all of these characters are going to be you know uh understood through a lens that you can understand um the culture is going to be very american culture and so you don't have to be afraid of it and then only in like the as you start to go into the later episodes am i do i start to see some of the like um i I don't know how to phrase it other than like braver deviations from standard american culture and starting to sprinkle in some things that like um may introduce people to new ideas and to to slight variations like later in the episode talking about um i don't know even things like penny being extremely excited about gumbo and like uh oh sure various pieces like that i feel like that Everyone, everyone it, should be excited about gumbo. Everybody though. should be excited like, about gumbo. Gumbo's just gumbo's good. It is, but but you know, as a you know Midwest white American, that is not something that you would even think about. You know? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I always have this weird thing where like if I'm watching anything and they or or just like having a discussion and some type of food that i even vaguely like comes up even if it's mentioned in like a negative context that i'm just like Mm. god i want some of that (laughs) 
the food has been referenced. Right. But it's just like, uh, where can I get gumbo? Yeah. The andouille sausage. Anyway. So, um, yeah. Uh, let me see. Sugar Mama, the, uh, the matriarch of mm-hmm. the family, I, I guess. It's cool uh, that it's a multi-generational household, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. Um, she... Uh, very very quickly starts dating the the neighbor's dad <laughs> yeah the who, the, who the neighbor's patriarch of the family. yeah yeah who's based off of uh caesar romero as the joker and it, like they call that out immediately they're just like he reminds me of caesar romero <laughs> it's like <laughs> um i ap- appreciated the um just like uh, not translating and not having him speak in an Americanized um, or like oh, a, yeah. a accented English, but to speak in Spanish with um, subtitles. I thought that was a good decision. Yep. Yeah, that's fun. It's also fun that they don't understand him. So he just gets to say wild shit. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the uh, repeated laughter. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Clip that they that they play for him for like basically the rest of the episode made it seem like um they had the voice actor i haven't looked up yet um come in and yeah they were just like two lines yeah (laughs) and then just play the the laugh clip every time after that Mm -hmm. um let's see i'm not seeing them on the yeah me neither it's tough because there's always the like additional voices yeah where it's just like well they just voiced you know this eight characters this person like down here near the bottom christian mills attorney slash hot dog vendor <laughs> like exactly. i don't know where you're from yeah um oh uh alvaro gutierrez who is in oh he's coming back for um the, the 2022 thing oh i can't believe you mentioned yeah. that so that's one of the other oh, reason yeah. why yep. we wanted to um highlight this one is because it's coming back there's yep. it's in post-production right now should be coming out in but it's also yeah like we uh if it wasn't coming out like right at the end of the month so it would be almost <laughs> impossible for us to actually record and put out an episode in that time yeah. also it's you know disney plus does the whole thing where they actually release stuff a week at a time which i in some respects i like yeah in some respects yeah Actually, I, I tend to like it, but I, I just don't like how it screws with our podcast in particular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really. The only true problem. Yeah. Bob Iger needs to listen to our podcast and be like, oh, we got to dump everything all at once like Netflix. Perfect. Thank you. If you could get right on that. Mm-hmm. The, but, it's interesting. Yeah, the it thing looks that like... I like about it is that it keeps a show in conversation for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, the only the only one that's been that recently stayed in the conversation for a long time, despite being dumped all at once, was Squid Game. Yeah, and that's only because I feel like it had that like I don't know, almost perfect mix of um, people like getting on board with it. First off, not expecting to like it, and so like yeah. onboarding to it a little bit slower. And then there's also something to be said for like the intensity of the episodes keeping people um, from like <laughs> yeah, truly binge like, watching it because well, you watch two and yeah, you're like, I can't just full uh, on binge. Oh my god, this. <laughs> it's exhausting. I, I need a break. So like artificially 
<laughs> I'm, I'm seeing on the IMDb list, I'm kind of confused, um, the episode Strike being episode two and Rumors being three, but I think they were reversed on Disney Plus. Is that, did you experience that? Uh, yeah, they were reversed on Disney Plus. Huh. But yeah, we can talk about them in the order we watched them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that episode being, the first episode being all about sort of like introducing the dynamics between these two families. Um, Penny tries to like reconcile it because her mom scolds her about not being um, receptive to people's niceness. And then she's immediately punished for doing so. um, Also also notable, uh, there's one line in there from Sunset Boulevardis, the the mother from the other family. Where it seems like she pulled over her husband, like that's oh, how she oh, found fuck, her I totally husband. Oh, I forgot about was that. That was pulling nuts. her over. <laughs> She's a cop. The line was, "I'm a cop and I'm strapped." <laughs> that was <laughs> like, unbelievable. Um, yeah, because the the line before that was, "I told him that he could either uh, walk the line or walk me down the aisle." This is just yeah. like uh, explicit police coercion. That's <laughs> how they started yes. their relationship. And um somehow I, I don't get a sense of what um uh what the husband did for uh did for work, but everybody in this is extremely oh, wealthy. He's a, it's a construction company. Uh, they mentioned it at okay, some point. Okay. Felix. They mentioned yeah, they had that joke about using his Oh, Oscar's um snack his company snacks, snacks. As, yeah, as filler. Yeah. Landfill. Um uh, but yeah, everybody in this is extremely wealthy. He has an entire, he has an, an outbuilding that is his um, home theater that he sneaks away to for apparently weeks on end mm-hmm. in order to... Um, or, at, or at least for weekends. At least for weekends. Goes on business trips. So that's like your B story is that then Oscar wants to go over there for the boxing match. So it's them sneaking out, pretending that they're going on a fishing trip. Yeah. When yeah. they're actually just, you know, driving around the around the block, parking behind the house. Except that the two children see that this is happening and um love their father. The two the two babies and love their father mm-hmm. and want to spend time with him. And so I can't remember the exact circumstance through which they uh busted up that plan. But yeah. They managed. The, 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 also the... it is notable. This dog goes through a lot of shit. I was going to say the primary um activity that the the babies seem to do is it's is like terrorizing this dog. Yeah, which isn't inaccurate to babies. Um but they do lots of looney tunes shit to do so. Um Yeah. I also just hate how this dog sounds. <laughs> like <laughs> they use the same like two or three wine clips yeah, for for every single guy so like sound this dog makes and it wore on me instantly and they kept doing it and it's just like yeah the the joke is that this um dog is being uh accosted at every at every moment mm-hmm. that it's in the picture. every possible term yeah with uh sugar mama doing it by virtue of sewing of ineptitude <laughs> yeah sewing it into a sweater yeah um Anyway, we we can move on to the next episode, which for us was rumors. Um, yep, this is it's like um, once again, like felt like it was starting to to ramp up a little bit, but was still very um, I don't know. Well, it also there's always that thing with pilots because the first one was 
obviously a pilot. Yeah. And pilots, one of the things that I always notice with pilots is that the sound design is just not yeah, up to snuff. I really felt that. And, you know, it gets there in this second episode. Agree. I, I also was under the impression that maybe all this VHS fuzz would go away in the second episode because maybe <laughs> they'd have a better copy of it, but they don't. Yeah. Oh, one thing that we haven't talked about yet that I really, really do like is the way that the backgrounds are illustrated is awesome. It's, oh, yeah. It's this like um, kind of washed out to to separate the, the character art on top of the, the backgrounds, but it's this really beautiful, like super stylized, um, uh, but still very architectural uh, is how I would describe it, where things are it's, like... It's kind of a UPA style, but just a little bit more... Um more detailed yeah than they tended to do but it's all very geometric while not having um lines at 90 degree angles and yeah. stuff like that mm, it reminded me of the like opening theme and illustration and animation that accompanied it for like monsters inc i feel like most people will see that oh what yeah I'm talking yeah. about um also the um the separation between the outlines and the color yeah oh and another thing they do is that they alternate between using um different color as the outline and then often using white as the outline too to like um denote that something is see-through or has like a different texture to it and yeah i think that's really really effective too it just looks great that that makes me question even more why the (laughs) why there are all these vcr scan lines (laughs) because to do that, like, this is all obviously drawn on, like, a Wacom or, like, you know, some type of drawing tablet. It's all done on a computer. Right, this should be so, out there digitally. How, yeah, how do they not have this digitally? <laughs> um, they just, they just didn't. Yeah, I guess. They just didn't. I've got no answers. Um, but anyway, second episode, Rumors. Um, so this one, um, centers around, the A-plot is, like, um... Uh, the parents are leaving, and um, Penny wants to Penny have some friends over. A big ass party, and then it well, turns she, into yeah, a big ass party. Yeah, she wants to have a few friends over. Yeah, but then Dijonay invites La Cienega, which like that is it's a weirdly child thing, yeah. like like a teenage thing where you would wind up hanging out with lots of with people that you just don't like. <laughs> <laughs> i have the open house for the day my parents aren't here and so um people are just going to keep accidentally getting invited and mm-hmm. i am generally unhappy about it oh man disney plus's um navigation is kind of terrible i want to go back yeah. to the second episode and i like it's straight up cannot find a way how to do it easily yeah you have to go in the top right or the top left and click on where it says the proud family oh that right. just takes me back home Oh, all right, then you have to go find oh, God. the proud family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing UI. Um, so anyway, we get to the B plot where Oscar's just getting accosted by birds <laughs> just, and and they escalating just, that. They, they just half recreate Hitchcock's The Birds, centered yeah. on Oscar getting chased around by these like little cardinal-looking things because well, they're at a veterinary convention, right? Or like an aviary. Cause... Yes, like that's that's the thing is that uh trudy uh, trudy yeah yeah trudy his wife is a veterinarian 
and she seems to be the one that's actually bringing in the lion's share of the money she explicitly uh, says it and is <laughs> yeah is also like the responsible one yeah um but it's also just a hog wild thing. <laughs> like i don't know it's a very cartoonish cartoon in certain areas mm-hmm because, yeah, they go to this vet convention, and there are just birds at all the table, and birds flying around, and well, they had bears as waiters last year. And then they like, serve, they they do a wild thing and serve um, squab. Uh, squab, pigeon, at a bird convention. Like, I don't know, maybe that's not that wild, but it seems wild to me that people would be like, yeah, I'm here to show up and appreciate um, saving birds and, like, taking care of birds. What are we going to eat? Birds yeah like serve a veggie burger y'all um uh, but well this is 2001 it was before veggie burgers it's true they didn't make them then right um, you couldn't find a boca burger but back then. Uh, i disagree i i basically nothing but boca burgers in oh the no year 2000. i know okay I, I was they were hard uh, to find though not at the time but i think a year after this i was vegan yeah and the yeah where boca were you living at the time uh, Fort Atkins in Wisconsin. Oh, so you already were in Wisconsin, but you weren't close enough to a Woodman's because that was the place that really stocked veggie burgers at the time. Yeah, yeah. Once I well, once I was living in Whitewater for college, then I would drive to Janesville once a week <laughs> to do my grocery shopping at oh Woodman's because Whitewater was this bizarre like small town where they had one grocery store yeah. and the only other place to get groceries was uh the walmart next door to the century hmm. which it it's wild because it was that. a college town but just on average at that century every single item cost a dollar more than it would at woodman's well yeah because you've got a monopoly right and they're not employee owned rep woodman's mm-hmm um, yeah. yeah that is very that is the wisconsin good, very story good, though. very specific regional to wisconsin stuff here hey there's gonna be that that's like half of our be. listeners or other people from wisconsin so we're just pandering yeah <laughs> uh, other podcasts pander to la we yeah. pander to you fuck you la the midwesterner <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah penny penny invites his friends over this people invite more friends and then um somebody invites all yeah, the boys it becomes a party then it becomes a party um everybody's um having a very chill time just sort of dooting around and dancing oh sugar mom is also there the whole time um but is asleep and As- cannot be woken up Qu- well quasi asleep you can wake her up if you turn off the tv right um there's also two babies um and she penny puts the dog in charge of watching the two babies which is like a fucking wild thing to do in any circumstance even if the yeah. baby's uh whole personality isn't torturing the dog um <laughs> it just seems like a bad bad call generally but here we are um and I forget, is this i need to see oh all right this is the one where they put roller skates on the dog oh god yeah um they seem to have a lot of methods of launching this dog out windows including like um bottle rockets and um large slingshots and yeah yeah it it feels like they're trying to establish a running gag but i i hate you know having not seen much more of it uh i'm curious how quickly that ran out of steam i watched like a couple of the much later episodes just to see 
you know, how animation had changed and how acting had changed and all that. Yeah, how it developed generally. Uh, my favorite part was that I picked an episode at random, just like uh, season two, episode like 30 something. Yeah. Uh, immediately, immediately they start talking about Michael Vick and how awesome a football player he is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, no. It really was the 2000s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that blows. Yeah. Man, what are you going to do? <laughs> but yeah the um they did seem to drop that also the uh like the animation definitely got higher quality as they went on i assume that they got more budget uh would be the the reasoning there and also the because um, the show was quite successful like oh yeah i'm surprised that it didn't last more than two seasons honestly well we're talking two seasons for a kid's show which it's is actually like pretty good 60 episodes yeah yeah like uh, you know when you look at oh in two seasons over the course of four years also right right it's just that they don't stop making it right at any given point it would be like saying that you know snl only has 30 seasons or something like that sure and there's a movie too and it it sort of transitioned into um some of the other shows on the disney network i think yeah yeah definitely oh interesting here's here's a bit of trivia um Poppy's green hair and laughter was an homage to Cesar Romero, best known for playing the Joker. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't realize that yeah, he played I mentioned the Joker. That earlier. You you mentioned Cesar oh, Romero, but I don't know anything yeah. about Batman. Oh. Alright. Cesar Romero sense. played the Joker, and there's a rumor that he would have uh uh people come over to his place and stand ankle deep in water while he would throw uh naked ankle deep in water while he would try to throw uh orange wedges at their asshole what yeah i mean i'm I'm pretty sure it's completely apocryphal (laughs) i'm surprised there wasn't a reference to this in the episode rumors that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, where, he, where he's just throwing <laughs> throwing orange slices at people. Yeah. I guess maybe that would have been a little bit gauche, but um Maybe. Is, probably. Is I don't there there's so much wild shit as far as stories from the old Batman show. God. Cause... And just old Hollywood generally is sounds like a horrible place. Uh one of my favorite one is this this story, and this one's verified where uh, Adam West and Cesar Romero got kicked out of an orgy because <laughs> they, they were just doing Batman and the Joker. <laughs> oh my god, that's extremely funny. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, okay, uh, back, back on track. Speaking of orgies. Well, no. Oh. So they're doing spin the bottle god uh, well it, it's like some spin the bottle slash seven minutes in heaven yeah um, mix there's uh a boy that benny is particularly interested in but it uh lands on him until something crashes and um spins over to myron um yeah because the babies are terrorizing the dog upstairs got it yeah uh and so they get locked in the closet um uh myron is claustrophobic yeah and um has asthma yeah has asthma that is um triggered by a panic attack and so he's um uh literally almost dies like um (laughs) 
uh, uh, Penny's parents arrive back home and she carries him out. God, how limp. wild! How wild would that be <laughs> if, if they just like episode two of this children's show <laughs> just fucking kill, kill somebody? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's what really separates it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, that's that's like most of the story. She gets grounded. Uh, yeah, she gets grounded. Um, we do get genuinely my favorite joke from any of the ones that we saw is when. Uh, so of course, you know, because of gender dynamics and patriarchy, yeah. Myron gets treated as like the coolest fucking kid ever, and Penny gets treated like absolute garbage. Oh yeah, because they're under the impression that they were making out in the closet. Yeah. So when the news comes out, then they a bunch of kids run over to pick up Myron and be like, "For he's a jolly good player," and as they're as they're walking out, they bump his head on the <laughs> on the door frame. <laughs> there, there was just something about the way it was animated that really got me. Um, I really liked. Like, he's he's like walking out. Um, right, yeah. I think right before this happens, and uh, with uh, accompanied by um, uh, two girls, and says, "Gas me," and they. Uh, bring out his inhaler and give him a quick puff i thought that was very funny um yeah that's like this show has good it has great jokes yeah (laughs) especially in this last this last episode is my favorite by a mile i I thought it was great um oh yeah so this one episode three for us episode two on imdb is strike um Mm -hmm. it is centered around the the initial core premise is um that penny's allowance is not enough to buy a movie ticket Um, right and uh actually it it's kicked off by oscar is uh, seemingly being cheap because his mom uh is asking for money from him first and bullies him into into giving her significantly more money and so then for the rest of the episode he's like extra holding out because uh he's already given 20 bucks away mm-hmm. um uh, Penny's allowance is is five dollars, and she has a long list of chores uh, in order to accomplish this. A list well, of chores, and, and also which are not Oscar. Os- <laughs> yeah, which yeah, are Oscar very much <laughs> expanded that list. Yeah. Uh, so after like trying and going to to do several different activities and not being able to afford any of them, uh, she decides I, that I it's time like to go on their, strike. Um, their run of, I guess they could have like escalated it a bit more yeah their run of like all right let's go let's go bowling and it's like all right we can afford bowling but then the shoe (laughs) rental is too much and oh we'll go mini golf and the club rental and then the ball rental this did strike me as like legitimately the the 2000s experience of being a kid only having five dollars and um and being like what can we do there's literally nothing we can do with the the difference of how are these kids getting around what is the transportation here? They must have like really good public transit where this, wherever this is taking place. I guess because they live in what seem like the suburbs. It's I don't know. Sticky had a hover scooter in yeah. the first episode. Sticky's great. There, there is future technology. And um, oh, interesting. Is, yeah, available for children. This does feel like it is trying a little bit to be like um, uh, a little American utopia, where like there are no actual problems um everybody's just sort of vibing everybody's got enough money it's like a, an inconvenience as a joke sometimes mm-hmm. um everybody's yeah, got good jobs and you know 
uh, Oscar is an entrepreneur who is is making a bad product, but it doesn't really matter. It is. It definitely is. Um, There was, this has my favorite joke in it. Um, (laughs) I I, think I wrote this one down. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember exactly what they're talking about, but. um, Uh, Sticky is offering services to them so that he can get money. Sticky offers to do their taxes. taxes. (laughs) And Penny says, Sticky, we're Republicans. We don't do taxes. Yeah. <laughs> or we don't pay taxes. And uh, like this show definitely does feel a little um like neolib, I guess. Like Yeah. Uh it does, but then we get into this whole unionization thing, but then it but kind it's treated of very collapses into itself. The I mean, the funny thing to me is that the people like if you had kids that were complaining in 2001 that they weren't getting paid enough allowance yeah then now they would be complaining the same thing very rightfully to their employers (laughs) right because yeah we're the wages have not gone up since 2001 yeah it's the whole you know millennial thing where we're constantly being um treated as children who you know, aren't allowed to make all the big money that the boomers do. You know, and this is something that I was actually, I, I kind of wanted to talk about is, is I'm, I'm curious how they will handle, you know, remaking this in 2022, where um, kids are just so different. Um, and I don't say that as like, you know, um, a, a generational thing. It's like, there is an accelerationism that that happened that feels truly distinct and childhood is not the same as it was uh, in 2001. Like these kids are teenagers and they're very sheltered and they're like, um, it was you know the childhood that I more or less had or a variation of it, right? Of like, you know, you just sort of do it around with your friends. You like come up with these harebrained schemes, but nothing like truly dramatic is happening in your life at this point. And then you compare that to... Um, <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it. Forward. The the hell that descended on children. Yeah. <laughs> like the hell was always there, don't get me wrong. It was just like quieter and um you know, being being a child in America is never easy and there are circumstances that can make it truly difficult, but nothing You didn't have like the whole politicization of schools. Yeah, and uh, uh, cops school, in schools, schools and as like, like a quasi battlefront. Yeah, in, just seems in our current political climate. Yeah, and yes, cops in schools, like cops in schools and violence in schools, and like yeah, um, yeah, like everybody on the internet having complete access to you, and you know, being expected to put yourself out there as a kid mm-hmm. on the internet. Um, it's just it's a horrifying like and. I am very curious to see if they approach that at all or if they're going to try to like re like write it because like also um, I feel like the aughts were like an extension of sort of the late 90s um, where America's culture on race was very much pretending like there wasn't um, like the issues were gone and like yeah it, it was that like the whitewashing thing of just yeah. saying just saying like oh well i have that one line from the i have a dream speech and you know we should all just be colorblind and that's how exactly you, you get equity or it, equality and it's like no yeah no it and colorblindness is exactly the way that i would describe it where 
um, everybody was just like had um, at least white America had blinders on and was just like pretending like these uh, issues did not exist. Right. Well, I'm specifically it it was that one line from the I have a dream speech, which is very much misinterpreted. Yeah. But just that as kind of a rallying cry for people to be like, oh, all right. Well, you know, now we have a black president and the blah, blah, blah. Like, well, no, this is long before that. Yeah. Never long before that. Um, this is Bush. But it's Bush time, yeah, baby. But that that was just like. I, I heard that line from people so much in re, in regards to race relations where it's just like, oh, well, you know, I want people to be seen by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Yeah. And not not recognizing that, like, yeah, he was specifically talking about black people there and how black people are viewed in that way. Yeah. And how, yeah. The, um, no, it, the, it is... It is something that always happens is the the whitewashing of revolutionaries after their death and their like reacclimation yeah. safely into the mainstream culture and basically acting like this person who had revolutionary ideas and who was an active revolutionary um yeah to would just suddenly be like, agree oh, we, with everyone loved him we all lo- we all loved him even yeah. though he had a lower approval rating than trump did at any point during his presidency yeah because he yeah. was truly a revolutionary and like yeah. you know some of the shit that fox says about like if martin luther king jr would be alive he would be going to all lives matter rallies instead of black lives matter and it's like y'all they were having all lives matter rallies at this same time and he yeah. condemned them. Like, you don't have to look in, you don't have to guess. But it's like, it is what happens when you, and why <laughs> Plus, people assassinate revolutionaries is because their ideas. Alive. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, fucking ask Bernice. God damn. Yeah, she'll fucking tell you. <laughs> yeah. And she does, but nobody's interested, right? They've, right. they've crafted they, this. Yeah, they just want to use a dead guy as a prop. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that, that's a, a tangent, but like, that was the prevailing ideology i think of the 90s was yeah race isn't um, a problem as long as we don't talk about it and as long as we don't interact with it then um things are going to be fine and um we don't have to examine this any further we don't have to look back let's not talk about the past you know that was the prevailing way of interacting with it and mm-hmm. at least in these first three episodes um you know race is a part of the characterization and is part of like um what the characters talk about because it's part of their like uh the aspects of their humanity um but it's very much not a conversation that anybody's having um it is not directly addressed it is more it is more just you know you killed you killed my you killed my very good segue back oh i'm sorry you want to do it i was gonna say yeah speaking of black revolutionaries who tried to unionize people Damn, that's good. Um, yeah, Penny starts a labor gets, movement with the kids. Yeah, it gets all the kids together <laughs> and says, "We're not going to work for this money anymore. It's not enough. It's not enough to live in this world." And- yeah, so they start <laughs> they start a communalist anarchist. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> they it kind of rules. It kind of rules. And what what I loved about it is that it was like 
the both the news coverage of it was exactly as like blase and patronizing as it is in real life yes. when these things happen and also the like you know kids going around and showing their like ramshackle stations of mm-hmm. uh, of the things that they're like, like here's here's where we make jam here's we where... <laughs> the line that i loved was we, um, we expect to be um uh entirely jam self-reliant jam sufficient, self-reliant, jam yes. sufficient <laughs> by you know some time frame it was so good they were they're knitting their own clothes out of spider silk and um sticky is keeping spiders mm-hmm. oh, and God. uh they're also well penny suggests eating spiders but none of them really like that yeah nobody wants um, to eat spiders anyway this all so then some other kids scab uh like yeah they the parents hire other children to do um to do their chores for them yes which doesn't make a ton of sense in the context of it seems like a lot of the kids jobs are to just clean their rooms but there's a lot of lawn mowing and um taking out the trash taking out trash yeah yeah um at no point do the parents have to reckon with the fact that these things are much more expensive to hire out to do individually which is the core problem of scabs um but you know yeah well that's they're trying to break a strike, so they're willing to yeah. up their uh, expenses so that they can, you know, in the long run, not have to pay too much more. It's true. Um, and uh, it's implied that the kids are, like, sleeping outside for multiple nights, um, and the parents are truly unconcerned by this affair, um, I mean, especially Oscar and Trudy. Like, Trudy a little bit is concerned, but... I think if I had done that as a kid like at certain points then my parents would be like all right whatever like depending on where you're living it's also unclear how old the kids are here oh yeah it does seem to be like california or california adjacent Uh but which means they should be watching out for coyotes oh my god that's so true like there (laughs) there are very legitimate threats here i don't know yeah i i don't know that we ever got an actual location but there are palm trees yeah could be florida could it be. does have florida vibes actually now that i think about mm, it kind of yeah uh, anyway, everybody else gets hungry else, and goes home yep and then penny's still out there yeah and we get a uh yeah we get like oscar coming out there and having it having a talk with her which is just like hey we all we're all in this together we're a family i don't actually want to pay you more thing. but yeah. however we do have food for you um, it does feel a little bit like, um, like uh, I don't want to phrase it, like the 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 parent propaganda of like you, you're you're earning your keep. Um, uh, a lot yeah. of a lot of kids, it's insinuated that if they don't do their chores, they will they they like literally get kicked out of the house. Um, which is not examined. Which is, yeah, it. I don't know. It, it it's a very weird dynamic that they're yeah. setting up there. It is. But this scene is very cute, and they have a nice conversation about um, uh, making the food that that she likes and reconnecting mm-hmm. a little bit. And then Trudy bullies Oscar into giving him more money, giving her more money, and that's that. Yeah. So yeah. Another strike that's... in America failed. Just kidding. Most Bro. strikes in America are successful. All the ones that are happening now. Yeah. Hell yeah, Kellogg's. Let's go. I hope they do a couple episodes on labor movements, um, and then I hope that the animators go on strike. Yeah, sick. yeah, that is something that we haven't mentioned yet. Is that there's currently a movement going to try to get uh, a union for animation? Yeah, or Let's at the very go. least to 
to get like good representation for people who are working in animation yeah because if you're unaware um writers in animation are not covered by our uh the screenwriters guild yep which is stupid nonsense and absolutely horrible yeah uh so writers in animation get paid much less than people who are writing for live action absurd which is just wild because for one thing you need your scripts to be tighter yeah. in animation because anything any fixes cost so much more right but it's but simply i guess not. it's a, yeah it, it's also just like seen as a children's thing so no respect yeah like there there's a lack of respect there there's also you know the fact that for the longest time animation would be you know keyframed in america sent off to korea for all the in-betweens yeah so it's for the longest time been something that we're actively pushing down the cost the price generally of, yeah. yeah just by outsourcing it but yeah I, I hope that they're able to get the money that they deserve especially when you're looking at the top like god it the top like 15 movies from last year like 10 of them were animated wow it, it was absolutely absurd and they make um, so much money <laughs> yeah like Encanto brought in so much money and there are a lot of things like there's so much animation that comes out in any given year that's smaller and people just don't notice like last night i watched this thing the house on netflix there's three different directors doing uh stop motion animated things in oh, regards shit, to cool. a house yeah it it was it was good not great um but there's so much stuff like that that comes out in any given year and it especially during the pandemic this has been kind of the the filler stuff like this the media that they're actually capable of creating and putting out and yet they are unwilling to pay them the same wages that they would pay to people who are working on live action shows and the reason is because the people who worked on live action shows have struck many times and have yeah, had successful labor movements yeah mm -hmm. and unionized and so until that happens it is like and the only like previous animator strike that i'm aware of is in the 40s when all the disney people went <laughs> yeah. on strike but hopefully hopefully that can be yeah better uh resolved better than the iatsi strike went yeah Oof. That, uh, uh, that that just kind of had the problem where iatsi has too many different quasi unions uh all combined together under this big umbrella yeah and it kind of has it has like electoral college vibes yeah it does the way uh, that they're they're voting on strikes goes yeah and, and not to say that um you know unions don't have issues they have their own their own issues for sure but there's just nothing in comparison to and, and there's no currently no tool better and to raise wages across the board yeah well i mean you need collective bargaining to actually be capable of bargaining with your Making employer change. yeah because there are yeah like one person quitting doesn't make a big difference but when you get everyone on strike then suddenly they got to do something like uh oh god 
that was my favorite thing during the uh the john deere strike you remember that one um i remember it i don't know what you're talking about uh the John Deere workers went on strike oh, and they decided that they were going to pull people from the front office <laughs> to, to go work to, in the to factory. do all of their jobs because, you know, it's unskilled labor, it was which is just so a myth. poorly. Yeah. And it was about it, it was 8 a.m. the day that they had started scabbing. Yeah, that someone crashed a fucking tractor into an electric box. God, um, you're less replaceable than you think. Everybody yeah. out there. I mean, I, I think that people that work in factories realize that. I hope so. As so- like as soon as a, a manager tries to show them anything. Yeah, you're like, okay, you're you're a dipshit. That ain't happening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this was uh, the the first three episodes. <laughs> um, maybe as we get closer to the the end of the month, or maybe in our in our first March episode, the um, uh, the other episodes uh, or the It'll new episodes will be, be out. The first and, March, ep- yeah, the March one. So um, hopefully, we can talk about that a little bit, even God, just in whatever else we're reviewing. February. February. So it comes up. No, we uh, unless we like do some. Yeah. weird shit with our editing schedule well anyway then, whenever yeah. whenever it does come out we'll we will try to talk about it a little bit we will we'll do like a little bonus episode it. yep yeah thanks Bye. for listening thanks so much for listening y'all big thanks to the composer of our theme miles morkery and to bernadette meeker the artist for our thumbnail we're on twos pod on twitter.com our website is on twos.club you're the best good night, good night.